Hello and welcome to the Coconut Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Freud, and today's guest is, well, me. This is a special episode ahead of the World Education Summit, which will take place from the 21st to the 24th of March. I'll be presenting there three times, uh, twice with Joanne McKicken, where we will, we will be talking about contributive learning and creating a curriculum of kindness and really trying to uh, build out efforts collectively to contribute to the ecosystem, to the world, to each other, to ourselves, and also helping each other contribute. And I'll speak a little bit about this on this podcast. And then I'll have another uh, stage where I will be speaking about portfolios of impact, portfolios of contribution, and how this might shift um, our portfolios of assessment towards the impact that we have to the community so that it's being considered more as a social effort, as a collective effort, and really bringing in the voices of those who have benefited from the impact uh, towards whom we have contributed. Uh, and I'll be very excited to speak about that. So uh, I'm uh, also very lucky because uh, Charlotte Hankin, the co-founder of Coconut Thinking, is uh, interviewing me today and uh, looking forward to uh, um, your thoughts on this. Of course, you can check out our website on www.coconut-thinking.design. Uh, we've got our blog there, a podcast, a bunch of media. Um, and again, the World Education Summit is from the 21st to the 24th of March. Uh, I've got all the links on the show notes. Uh, and uh, one last time, check us out on www.coconut-thinking.design. And I'll leave room to uh, the interview led by Charlotte Hankin. Hello, my name is Charlotte Hankin, and I am a co-founder of Coconut Thinking. Today, I am joined by a special guest, and this is the voice you usually hear on the podcast, uh, the voice of Dr. Benjamin Freud. So today, I'm going to be asking him a few questions for this special episode for the World Education Forum. Benjamin, welcome to your show. Um, I'm going to start with the first question that you usually ask your guests, and that is, what is your personal vision? Thanks, Charlotte. Our usual question is, who are you, what do you do, and how do you try to make a difference? We're going to try to change that a little bit and ask people what their personal vision is, simply because it might go deeper into who the person is, who do they want to become, and how they see their place in the world. When we ask what do you do, it gets a little bit too professional, and although that's quite interesting in introductions, we might move on towards those personal values of what the vision is and see if personal visions can come together to create shared visions. My personal vision is really to think about um, what the world will look like now that school is reaching the end of its product life cycle. I don't think that school as it has existed for the last 150 years is useful. There's too many changes and too many dangers out there. I would like to see a world where the walls of the schools come down. We go beyond school, thinking about the interconnectedness of everything, not just from a natural point of view, not just from the way quantum physics shows, but also from the fact that we're all interrelated. We're going to have to live in a world where technology is more and more prevalent, uh, high technology that is, and one in which we also need to think about how to make sure the planet doesn't burn up. And bringing those two together uh, will create certain tensions that I think will uh, will take us in new directions, ones that, that have to go towards new ways of thinking and feeling, and really ending the separation, the fragmentation of who we are in ourselves, who we are as a society, and of course, our relationship with nature. Thanks, Benjamin. It's interesting to me that you changed the question to a personal vision, and yet the context of this talk perhaps is quite broadly rooted in schools and education. Do you see that there is no longer a divide between our personal vision and our um, professional 
behaviors and attitudes each day? Well, I guess there is in a large extent. A lot of people have their own lives personally and then their professional lives, and, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. In many ways, the, the ideal would be to have our, our personal and our work live in harmony, that we do things that we truly believe in, we find purpose in the work that we do, we have prosperity with our work, but not just financial prosperity, but also spiritual prosperity, a personal reward prosperity. I, I think that oftentimes when we when we go to work, when we, when we do things, when we contribute to society, that personal vision is really what drives us. Oftentimes we have that separation from work if we don't have our personal vision in our work. Now, this also brings up a good question of what is work? Is it is it where you show up every day to get a paycheck or is it also the things that you can do perhaps at home with, with your kids or um, maybe a, a garden or, or just the productivity, the, the generation of um, ideas and, and, and products in its uh, widest sense, that, that's work too. Uh, when I do a blog, I consider that work, um, not necessarily in a way that is uh, a penance or in the way that is suffering, but just because I, I'm generating ideas and, and it's maybe for myself, it's maybe to inspire a few others, but that's work. And as Sigmund Freud said, the two things that are most important to humans are love and work. And why not bring the two together? Mm. Uh, thanks for that, Benjamin. I would like us to talk about one of your other key questions on the podcast. This is a question you ask all of your guests. And it's been really fascinating to hear all of the different definitions and explanations over the course of your podcast. And that question seems simple, but as we've heard, it's actually increasingly complex. And that is, how do you define learning? It's incredibly complicated and it is incredibly complex as well. And learning, like some of those other words like freedom and democracy, is used all the time, but we might not have a shared understanding. And having spoken to about 45 different uh, world-class pedagogues and uh, business um, uh, owners and uh, folks in uh, sustainability and environmentalism, it's clear that nobody has the same definition. And frankly, I don't have the same definition as I did a few years ago, or maybe even a year ago, or even maybe six months ago. It's it's really shifting and changing as I'm thinking about the topic and as I'm, I'm speaking to others and others are contributing to my own learning. I, I, I For a while, the definition I had of learning was any experience that changes our behavior in a subsequent experience. But although I like that because it does work on conscious and subconscious levels, what it doesn't do is add a qualitative element to it. And so there's also different kinds of learning. There's adaptive learning and, and generative learning. And adaptive learning would be, for instance, um, I don't know, learning, learning how to um, drive a car or learning your way to school or perhaps learning um, how to put together an Ikea piece of furniture. I don't know, something like that where you adapt um, in order to better deal with a certain situation. And then there's the generative kind of learning, which doesn't always happen individually. It, it actually happens mostly in groups. And, and I'll get to this in a second, but the generative learning is the idea that you learn in order to create, in order to take action in ways that change your circumstance, the environment. Um, that also happens to a certain extent in adaptive learning, so it's not a, an either or, it's on a continuum, but the generative learning really comes out to create. And, and that's something where we really need to think about are the role of school here. By this, I mean, Learning doesn't exist in isolation. It has to exist with action. If we only learn 
in order to have it in our head, it really doesn't do much. It has to be put to use. And that can go from anywhere from uh, taking a substantial action to, I don't know, solve um, an important issue, but also a conversation. That's taking our learning into action. So there has to be some kind of action linked to the learning. Otherwise, the learning may or may not exist, but it doesn't change the behavior in the subsequent experience, if that makes sense. But the other thing that's really important about learning is that it's a social experience. We can only learn when we interact with others or with the world. We can't learn in isolation. And this is the part of learning that really um, shifted my mind when it came to school is that too often we treat learning with the students in isolation. We treat them like, oh, you're gonna do this test and we're gonna see how much you know and assess your knowledge. But, but that really doesn't exist without the context of learning and how we are in terms of our relationship with our peers, with our teacher, with, with the environment. So, so learning is, is, is a dynamic experience um, that at its best, at its highest quality, generates action and hopefully contributes to a better world because that's very important too. There is that qualitative aspect where the learning is put to action with a certain intent to make the world a better place. Mm. What what can you tell us about this idea of contributing through a learning process? Uh, I've seen some of your previous blogs where you have written about contributive learning. Um, what does that mean for education? And, and what does that mean for young people who have passions and ambitions and desires to hopefully positively impact their communities, families, friendship groups, and so on? Well, the word contribution really comes from my interactions with uh, uh, Joanne McKeekin, with whom I'll be presenting at the World Education Forum on, on two of those um, uh, conversations. And the, I used to think about this idea of contributing to the welfare or, or rather um, acting towards the welfare, should I say, of, of a certain group. But I think just contribution makes it so much easier in, in one word. So so that word is, is one that uh, I've kindly, um, uh, or at least I've, I've asked Radmiki to kindly uh, let me use a bit more. Because contribution is about action that does something for, for someone else. Uh, it's not a utilitarian, um, John Stuart Mill's kind of way. It's more like, let's do things for positive action, for positive outcome, to make the world a better place, to, to help people thrive, to help ourselves thrive, the planet, animals, so that we think about the actions that we take based on a set of ethics. What will help the other, ourselves, the planet, whatever the target of the action might be, what will help it thrive? How can we make leave it better than what we started with? And we won't always get it right because some of the actions that we take are based on the information that we had at the time of action. So I get that. The outcome might not always be there, but it's the intent that matters. That the value of an action is what it is based on its impact. But I would say that there's a qualitative nature that's linked to the intent. For instance, I could um, do something, let's say I, I feed a cat uh, some food. Now, there's a couple of different ways. I could do it selflessly or I could do it simply because I want to tell everybody that you know I'm such a great person because I um, help the cat. So that might be a silly example, but but the point to making it a bit silly is to show that the intent really matters when it comes to the action because it gives um, the action a certain uh, value that may not be necessarily obvious, but it certainly embeds it with that spirit of intent and and trying to make the world a better place rather than doing it perhaps the same action, but for selfish reasons. So contribution is really about having this set of ethics. Now, I, I mentioned earlier about inner work and we really need to think about why it is that we do things. What is our 
our intent? Why, why is it that we carry out action? Is it for our own gain? Or do we see ourselves as part of a bigger picture, as part of um, uh, the world that's out there, or our community, or what that might be? And, and if we see ourselves included in that, then we can understand how taking action just for ourselves really, in many ways, um, treats it as a zero-sum game and, and, and doesn't allow us to do what's best maybe for, for, the, for the, the larger community. And when we do what's best for the larger community, we'll help ourselves as well. And actually, I used that word a second ago, part. Um, and, and I really have an, you know, an issue with that word in many ways, or I'm starting to. And, and I want to look at it from a semantics point of view rather than an absolute definition point of view. Um, our language talks about parts, but that's very mechanistic. We are parts of something. It's 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 like a machine. Um, I have trouble myself getting away with that from that word part, but really we're holes in ourselves, and and we're nested holes within larger holes. Uh, so just like my heart is part of my cardiovascular system, my heart is a whole, my cardiovascular system is a whole. I am a whole. I am part of my family, which is a whole. My family is part of a community. Uh, locally, that is a whole, and and of course, you know, you could take it as as big as every living species on the planet. So, if we start to think about ourselves as part of a nested whole and as part of bigger wholes, then we contribute to all of it across the board, and we make everything better, at least in our intent, simply because we recognize that we are connected to everything, and, and that's going to be critical in terms of taking action to make um, not just the world a better place, because that's a cliche, but probably to prevent the world from burning up. Mm. I I guess that's one of the things then we could all um, take away from this this conversation because right at the start you spoke about your personal vision and one of my questions was about the difference between personal vision and professional vision. So there I can see immediately uh, the removal of a boundary between our personal lives and our professional lives and you use that word harmony um, to to bring everything together. And so now as we go towards the end of our conversation, we're talking about nested holes and about, I guess, collective flourishing in that one part of our uh, ecosystem, let's say, is flourishing, then we would hope that the other parts would be too. Is there anything that you could say about this um, enmeshment of life around us and how thinking about contribution benefits all life? Well, again, if we think about ourselves as, as an ecosystem, our, our, our bodies, we've got different parts, different organs. Um, those organs don't work by themselves. And identifying your liver, your heart, um, uh, you know, extracting them from, from your body uh, is, is certainly a way to look at that. Um, but we don't want to be mechanistic in thinking that they operate independently. Your liver cannot operate without the heart, and the heart cannot operate without the kidneys. And, and it's all part of a system. And, and in many ways, we're the same way. We're the same way with nature. We can't live without the, the, the ecosystem that is the planet, that is nature. And, and in many ways, we can't live as well without our community. So um, we're, we're nested within these larger holes, and we ourselves are made of smaller nested holes. And rather than see ourselves as the center or as separate from any of this, we need to see ourselves as part of this. And as David Baum uh, said, it is about wholeness and about applicate order. Um, the entire universe is one whole, um, but our minds, in order to make sense of the universe, has to really 
fragments um, the universe. So our, our language fragments. It, it uses sounds to um, that, that become words that define an idea, but that it itself extracts it from, from what it is. We don't exist without other people. Um, our, our entire lives are um, part of this interaction. If we were completely disconnected from everything else, we would not exist because we would be completely static. Time would not have any effect on us. We, we, there would be no time because there would be no interaction. That's what time is. We don't exist without other people. Uh, we don't exist without our interactions with the universe. Time doesn't exist without interactions. If we were completely separated from uh, the universe, if we were isolated, if we were individuals in its um, etymological sense, uh, if we were atomized, that is, if we were different from, from others and, and separate, time wouldn't exist because time is the interaction with others. But to mark time, you need to have a third point. Um, you need to be able to have something from which to measure it. Now, we could talk about the fact that uh, there's weird things in physics where uh, time depends on um, how far you are from a um, uh, center point of gravity or, or the speed at which you travel. But even that means that you have to have another object or another presence in order to, to have time marked. Anything that's isolated cannot exist simply because um, it just wouldn't change. It would stay static. It would be frozen. Um, so that's not who we are. We are um, what I like to say, or what I started to think about saying, we are becomings. We're not even beings. Beings in itself involves that we're static. Uh, we could think of, for instance, all these Myers-Briggs um, tests. Um, th that really puts a label on us. But we are becomings because we are always at that nexus between past and present. We are always at that point where our bodies, our minds, which are not separate, interact with the universe and change and change at every single um smallest fragment of time. And as such, we need to understand that we don't exist without having these interactions with, with the world. And so if that's the case, then the way we contribute, the way we act um, really has an effect on the entire universe because all our actions have an effect on the entire universe. And, and it goes back to a large extent to ancient wisdoms, but we need to think about how if, if we're not separate from the universe, then why is it that we would do anything that's that, that would hurt others? What is it that we do anything that would hurt the ecosystem, that would hurt the world? Because we are part of that. So in many ways, it's about hurting ourselves. And this isn't anything woo-woo. It, it actually, again, is based in quantum physics. It's based on uh, ancient wisdoms from two, three, four, five thousand years, if not more, if not indigenous wisdoms that span a lot longer. And there's a common thread here. There's a common idea that our interconnections are what allow us to become. And if we are allow us to become, we can probably choose what we want to become, how we want to become. And that really is critical in taking learning forward for the good of everyone. And so this inner work that we have is probably drawn um, uh, around this, this common ethic, although it's inner work and it's personal work. If we could all recognize that we're part of an ecosystem, we can ask, how is it that I can think and act to contribute to the welfare of the ecosystem. That ecosystem could be anything from my cardiovascular system to, to my family, to, to the world. But if we all had that set of ethics, we would move in a direction to probably resolve some of the problems that we have and some of the tensions, the, 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 the social tensions that we have, the, the ecological tensions that we have, the, 
um, relational tensions that we have. And they're all linked. They're all linked because of this separateness. You mentioned earlier on that you have a talk with Joanne McKeekin at this forum. Could you perhaps tell us a little bit more about that talk and, and what you're hoping to achieve? Absolutely. Um, and the World Education Forum has, has a lot of great speakers, and I'm, and I'm very lucky to be with, uh, with uh, Joanne McKeekin, who is really someone who, uh, whose writings and, and, and sayings I've um, admired and, and has been a big inspiration. Um, I, I do want to point out that some of the stuff that I'm talking about is, is quite beyond my own reach, and, I, and I'm grappling with these ideas. And, and so many times in, in these talks or in books or when people, when people speak, they, they, they pretend that they all have the answers. And, and specifically, if we treat ourselves as verbs, not noun, if we are becomings and not beings, then our ideas are not static itself, and, and we're always reforming them. Uh, again, David Baum talks about the difference between thinking and thoughts. Um, and thinking is more like a river, and thoughts are the leaves in and beyond the river. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a two-part series, and we're going to explore really what it means, uh, what contributive um, learning means. And that's that's Joanne's uh, expression, and, 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 and she owns that, and, and it's, it's fantastic. And, and really, we're looking at how is it can, that we can contribute to the wider ecosystem. But what we're going to do, which is going to be uh, hopefully different, is that we're going to ask people, how, who are they? Trying to get to have them know themselves and understand themselves. But also, how can they contribute? What skills do they bring? What approaches? What attitudes? What are the things they care about? How do they contribute? And very importantly, how can others contribute to their own cause? So for instance, um, uh, I uh, spoke with a, a group of students. Uh, one, of, um, one of these groups are helping stray cats uh, in the community here in Thailand. And they're doing a lot of great work with the cats and it's fantastic. And, and you can see when they speak, they, they really care about these, these animals. What they don't know necessarily is how to build a dynamic website to really attract folks or maybe have the marketing uh, tools out there to get the word out. So in their efforts to contribute to the community, and by that I mean the, the community of living species helping the cats, they could use help for web design. They could use help for marketing. So it's not just that we have to have these grand causes of saving you know, the world from climate change or you know, solving world hunger. We can also contribute by lending our expertise, our knowledge, advice, networks to other causes. And so if we can create these networks where people say, hey, this is what I offer to the world. Hey, I could really use this a help on, uh, on, on something or other because I don't have that expertise, then we can leverage the expertise of the global community to really get some traction and accelerate some of these wonderful contributive causes out there. And so now we have these ideas that we're not just contributing to, to the, you know, the, the, all, all these things that, that have big banners and, and big publicity, but helping towards each other. And so we're all included in that system of con contribution and it is about reciprocity, and it is about caring, and it is about doing what we can at that point where we can. And so we're trying to launch this idea uh, and maybe have a newsletter, maybe have some kind of database. We're still playing with this idea. But if we can have these networks out there globally, then imagine everything we can do where all these little micro projects gain help from all these other folks throughout the world and how much that could just extend uh, kindness, goodness, contribution, reciprocity, uh, the spirit of, of social consciousness, because we're no longer isolated. We are really embedded in these different nodes, working together, 
Um, and one day you might help me uh, with, uh, with a database design and, and help me set out a survey. And the next day I might help you, I don't know, with translation or with, uh, with maybe um, uh, putting you in contact with someone else. And, and, and that's going to really help us move forward. And we can see that way through all these different projects that we're all really working towards the same things, hopefully, which is a better world. And on a very practical level, I can imagine that this um, initiative would be very much welcomed by educators and schools who might actually see the extra capacity that this might bring teachers and students so that the even more of the the onus is taken off the teacher in being this this vessel of knowledge or the one who needs to have all of the the answers or the the supports for the child this adds an extra layer of care and support for the entire school community so i can imagine that on a very practical level that that would be pretty successful i hope so um and again these are these these could transform into something that as i started the conversation of beyond school where everyone has these portfolios of contribution where that becomes the curriculum so that if I want to develop my skills in certain ways, I can have other folks contribute to my learning. I can contribute to others' learnings, to others' projects. And we start to build these portfolios of learning, action, and contribution that is the real learning. And if we can move beyond the curriculum that's created by someone somewhere, somehow, for some reason, and really have these areas of specialty where we go into um, things that really fascinate us, interest us, and we take that learning into action by helping others, and then maybe explore some different areas with a little bit of safety or, or have other mentors and, and peers help us along the way, then we're looking at a completely different level of learning where we're taking advantage of the technologies that connect us. We're taking advantage of the systems um, that, that allow us to come together. And also we're taking advantage of this growing sense of social consciousness so that we move beyond the classroom, we help each other, we develop skills, we develop knowledge, we develop content, we develop application, we develop social skills, everything in the world, these kids can develop in order to uh, make the world a better place. And, and, and we talk about assessment, what better assessment is there than having action have real impact to make the world a better place and being able to reflect on how to make that even better next time and what can be added to that skill set to make it even better the following time and then as you say yes the teacher becomes a guide uh, a connector uh, and 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 we're moving beyond this traditional system of school into one where we're truly interdependent not just in terms of who we are to begin with of course um, but also in terms of the way we're acting and, and the way we're presenting our learning interaction. And I like how this is not just about students-centered uh, learning. Yes, I can see that the students would be finding opportunities in their everyday lives for action because they want to make change or a difference. But what I like is that this way of thinking will actually support the ecosystem. It's not just humans acting for humans. So as you say, moving beyond school, moving beyond the human, if we are truly placing ourselves within our, within our ecosystem and we are removing that human lens, we're decentering the human, then that stands to raise the ecosystem for all of our experiences. And so what that encourages us to do as humans is to look for how we can care for others. And, and I think back to, the early years where uh, children at a young age 
are taught how to share, share their toys, share their classroom resources. And, and really what this sounds like is uh, sort of a continuum of that, an expansion of that, because the adults and the students involved in this, this way of thinking, involved in this initiative, are encouraged to share, share expertise, um, share their skills and knowledge, not specifically for their own gain, but very much for the purpose of helping others. And if we're learning for any other reason, I have to ask why? If we're learning for anything that has to do with selfishness or um, generating perhaps profit, that's one framework, uh, one lens. Um, I invite those who would like to learn to make the world a better place to come together. It won't have to be everyone. We're not trying to change the whole world at once. I don't think that's possible. Um, certainly those who adopt this kind of vision and, and, and want to move towards more of a social consciousness, and by social I mean uh, beyond the human indeed, um, creating a, a society of living beings, of living things, uh, of living um, uh, entities, um, th that's that's a completely different approach, completely different framework. So yeah, absolutely. It's about sharing uh, and again, co contributing and, and, and doing good for the world. Well, Benjamin, this sounds fascinating and I really look forward to hearing more about this in your uh, talk with Joanne McKeekin. And I wish you both the, the very best in taking this initiative forward and um, all the best for your participation in the forum. Thank you. This has been the Coconut Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Freud. Thank you, Charlotte, for uh, the interview and the great questions. Um, this is a special episode ahead of the World Education Summit, which will take place from the 21st to the 24th of March, 2022. Again, I have three spots there, two with Joanne McKeekin, where we talk about contributive learning and building curriculum of kindness uh, and really trying to build networks. Uh, who knows where it might lead, um, where people contribute and contribute to each other, uh, post what they're up to, who they are, how they're contributing, how they're making a difference, and seeing if anyone can contribute to what they're doing. Um, and this is something very exciting. We're trying to get it off the ground. Uh, and, and I think that there will be um, a lot of positive feedback, at least I hope so, because there's a lot of people out there who or looking for ways to contribute um, and not necessarily to anything uh, absolutely massive, but in the, in the small daily things that we can do. Um, you can always check us out on www.coconut-thinking.design. Uh, we always look forward to your comments, your feedback. Uh, check us out on LinkedIn. Again, it's www.coconut-thinking.design and look forward to our next episode, which um, will be with another guest. Talk to you soon.